For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are kicking off 2021 with a guest who has made the decision to play golf, to enjoy golf, and to live golf. He has seen the best of the best in the hidden local gems, played them, and captured them for eternity through a lens. I'm pleased to be joined by golf traveler, storyteller, and photographer Patrick Koenig here on The Range. Patrick, it's great to talk to you today. Oh, I love that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's start at the very beginning. When did golf enter into your world? Well, it's a good it's a good story because I didn't play as young as a lot of uh, the other folks on my my high school team and growing up. You know, everybody's country club kids. I was a guy that was searching for golf balls in the local local muni. It's just a little nine hole course called Arlington Park in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Not a bunker on the golf course, and I didn't start playing. I, I just I, I was a collector as a kid, and so I realized that you could find these golf balls in the creeks. And so I had I built up a collection. I think at one point I got up to about two thousand golf balls, and I'd I'd sell them at the local. We had an association garage sale that would happen every year, and I had a little company called Golf Balls Galore, is what I I named it, and we sold them for five bucks a dozen. Uh, to the the people that would come by our garage sale, it was a pretty good garage sale. And I remember making, gosh, we made like three, four hundred bucks one year. And I thought I was I was set for life as a as a kid. I was like, I'm going to move out of the house and get my own place, mom. Uh, but I didn't really play a lot. I just collected golf balls, and then eventually, but one day I just started playing, and then it was a it was like a disease at that point. I think most people that play this game, it kind of it takes over. Um, or it doesn't, you know, you kind of know as a, as a kid. So I, I probably started playing pretty consistently around, I think it was 11 or 12 when I really started playing, um, got pretty good and, uh, not good enough to, I mean, I was good enough to play at, on the one spot in the high school, but that's Indiana, uh, back in the, back in the nineties. And so my 78 average didn't allow me to move, uh, move forward to the, the college ranks, but you know, I look at it as a blessing. Uh, I didn't, I mean, when you're in college, it's a job, you know, you're a professional athlete, uh, trying to compete at that level. And I'm just happy to be enjoying it as much as I do these days. Um, and, and not taking it too seriously. I would imagine though, somewhere in that same time frame is when you started really enjoying capturing images with a camera. Yeah. I mean, that was, it didn't really come to later. I've always loved to take pictures. I was never very good at it. I just, I just enjoyed kind of preserving that, that moment or that feeling or that special time in the golf course, uh, a special place that you don't get back to. And so I would always look back on my, my photography and, and remember the rounds that I'd played. And uh, it wasn't until Instagram came along that I started sharing them with a, with a wider group of people. And that fueled my fire for photography. Once people started seeing my images and following me along on Instagram, I was like, well, I 
should probably get a little better at this. I've got a, a decent amount of people that are looking to me for, for golf course imagery. And so that's where I really honed my craft. And after a while, you know, people started paying for them and courses would have me out to do photo shoots on their golf course. And it was, it was kind of eye opening. I was like, this could be a, a, a career, a profession. Um, I was a sales sales guy at the time working in the telecom space. And I kind of jumped off, I think officially in, in 2018 with my RV, RGV, recreational golf vehicle tour. Before that though, I mean, you say that people, you know, started coming to you and inquiring about your photography. I mean, was that a point where you were able to kind of do that while you were still doing the sales work and seeing where can this go? Yeah, it was a hobby at that point. It wasn't like I was making bucks that I could pay rent with it, but it was certainly nice to have somebody reach out and say, Hey, why don't you come out and photograph our course and we'll give you some, some, um, some money for your time and for your images. And so that was uh, it was a cool side job. Um, and then I realized that, you know, if you do enough of it, you can actually just do only that. And that was, I mean, the whole saying is that, you know, do something you love and you won't work a day in your life. And so that when you realize it, it's so true. And it was, uh, you know, that's what I'm doing today. So I'm really enjoying, I mean, it doesn't feel like work, right? It, it's a lot of work, but it's it's not work at all. You decided, it, you say in 2018, you just walked away and, and you jumped in an RV and went. When did that idea come to mind? I mean, how long did you think about that before really taking a leap? Well, it's, I mean, like any golfer, you go on these golf trips and you see all these beautiful courses and then I just love golf courses so much that I was, you know, you look down the road and Hey, 40 minutes away is another golf course that I really want to see. And that's, it's like that all over the United States. And so I had this idea for, for quite some time, you know, it was more of like a fantasy that the best way to do it would be to get an RV mm-hmm. and you just go from golf course to golf course. And then, then you look at actually doing it and you're like, Oh, well then, you know, <laughs> I have to quit my job. Um, how do I pay for that? And, and a lot life gets in the way, you know, um, but in, in 2018, I said, let's, let's see if we can remove all of those obstacles and just go for it. So that it'd been maybe 10 years. I thought of that idea before I actually did it. When you talk about the RGV golf tour with the recreational golf vehicle, how much did you spend for that RV to get started? Yeah, well, they range, they range. You can spend a million dollars on an RV if you want to. I didn't have that sort of bankroll. Uh, fortunately, I was exactly. successful in my sales career, so I I had a decent amount of capital okay. uh, budgeted for this for this trip. But uh, the RV that I got was around, I think, it was just under sixty k, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice one. It was a twenty six foot RV. It had a bedroom in there. It's it, it's since been sold, which was a sad day. But it had a bedroom in there and a and a kitchen. Well, kitchen podcast, photo editing lab uh, had many different uses. As a uh, as a home, you know, you gotta make use for many different things out of out of one living area, and uh, it came complete with uh, a rooftop driving range that I installed, which was fun. So as I would drive around the country playing golf, sometimes I'd just get up on that roof and and whack balls out into the into the desert or on from the parking lot to a, a nearby golf course. Um, a lot of fun things happened on that tour. You learn in living in that way to just scale everything down. And as a golfer, if you can play scaled down and just grab a bag and walk out on the course, it's really ideal because you don't have to worry about anything. You're not packing anything. You just kind of, you just go. 
Yeah, you've got, I mean, it was 26 feet. I could store some stuff. It was mostly, you know, just clothes and golf stuff. And so you start to appreciate um, the experiences and the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis versus the things that, that you have or, or don't have. Um, and I found that to be incredibly rewarding. Um, just, you know, what a, what a way to live life is to, you know, chase in fairways every day, um, get up and where am I, where am I playing golf today and, and with whom? And that was the exciting part of the tour. It wasn't this, that, or the other thing that so many people are chasing material things on a day-to-day basis. And I was chasing those experiences with the people and, and to see the entire country. Um, for those not familiar, I did, uh, I did 48 states. I did 405 different golf courses. Played with, I think, 793 different people joined the tour. And it was open to anybody that wanted to just essentially come play golf with me. And the, the cool part about it was we raised about 20, I think a little over $20,000 for the first tee of greater Seattle. So I was able to, to clue in a, uh, uh, a charitable aspect to it. And, uh, those guys over at the first tee of Seattle do great work. Evan, the program director over there, put that money to, to good use. So hopefully from my extravagant, ridiculous tour, um, maybe a couple kids will be able to hit more golf balls and, and pick up a, a lifelong journey with the game. So that's uh, that was a cool thing to add into that that little journey as well. It's funny when you talk equipment like I do and have for a long time, you, you your your brain starts thinking about the the actual technical aspects. So so pardon that you know as I ask this, but sure. When you talk about this, yeah, you you have to quit your job and everything. But then somebody you know people are going to ask how do you, there's still expenses. This is, this is not a free or cheap endeavor. And that must've been a lot of work to make it happen in that regard. Yeah. So there is, it's significant. I think I budgeted around, it was around a hundred thousand dollars for this, for this trip is what it probably would would cost all in with the, with the RV expense. And then obviously Mm -hmm. you recoup some of that on the back end when I, when I sold it, um, but there's a lot of, I mean, you could probably live for cheap if you were just going to live in the RV and not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. The gas expense is pretty tremendous. I think I spent about, maybe it was just under 30K in gas, yeah. you know, because you're driving every day, um, you know, and it's not cheap to to put that thing in there. A uh, hundred, hundred bucks pretty much every day goes into the gas tank as you're, as you're cruising <laughs> around to the different golf courses. But, uh, you know, the life is is like nothing else. I mean, you go and you see a new spot every day and you get tired of driving, you just pull over and there's your, there's your house. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. The, um, places that I'd stayed, just the logistics of it, uh, you know, if you want to stay at an RV park, I mean, some of those places could be 90 bucks to park your, your RV at night. Uh, fortunately the fine people over at Walmart, most of them will let you, stay in their parking lot. You don't have access to, to, to electricity or any of those sort of amenities. Uh, but you can rest there. And I was, and I'd pull in late and then leave early to go play more golf. And so I didn't, you know, cause a fuss by camping out at, uh, for a long periods of time in any Walmart. Uh, but you know, there's an occasional scuffle by some, some vagrants that may found their way into the, uh, Walmart parking lot. So I, I remember I heard a couple of, a couple of times there were some some arguments late night, two, three in the morning, right outside my RV. But uh, there was never any, uh, never really any disasters with, uh, with the, uh, the RV. As you did that journey and 
I've played golf with you, so I know that you literally are carrying your, your camera with you the entire time you're playing. Yeah. What was that experience like seeing the different looks of golf courses? I mean, you can different areas of the country, the courses look different. And for you to really experience that for the first time as somebody who has a photographer's eye as well as a golfer's eye. Yeah. So it, it really depends a lot on the seasons. Um, so I planned it out. I knew that pretty much everywhere is good in the summer in the U S for golf and, and some places are only available in the summer. Um, so when I planned that out logistically, I started in Seattle, uh, and then went down and started in Seattle in February. And then I went down through California. California is always, always good to play golf. And then, um, as the spring was coming, I was going across the lower, lower half of the country. And when spring hit, it got really, really good. And so you get to see the, the different terrains going from New Mexico through Texas in the, in the early spring. And then once I, I was, I think it was about, I was in Florida by the time it was, it was really good. And so I planned it. So I would be in New York, which is one of the best States for, for golf. Um, and I spent a couple weeks there right in the middle of summer, had countless experiences every day. I was doing 36 a day, the New York fans out there that I had probably had 150 people that wanted to play golf with me in those, awesome. those two weeks. So it was a good problem to have. I don't think I got to everybody, um, which is, which was a bummer, but you know, I played with a lot of them. And then, you know, as the fall came, I got some great fall shots over and I headed over towards the Midwest and in Minnesota, I remember a couple of good rounds and at Spring Hill, it looked like I was hitting down a, a blazing fairway with those, those orange trees on the, on the side of that, that golf course. And I mean, I could go through the, the courses one by one and remember, remember each one has a different feel to it. It has a different look, um, depending on the season and each one, I mean, I'll, I'll pull up a photo and I'll, it'll remind me of that day. And it's always good feelings. There's never, there's never like, Oh, that was a disaster area. Um, it was all, it was all very good. And the people really were the, were the biggest thing, you know, they, cause playing golf every day is everybody's like, Oh, that'd be, that'd be great. I'd love to do it. But, you know, every day it tends to wear on you and you get up and maybe you don't feel like teeing it up today. But that feeling quickly subsided when you meet two or three people that are excited for the tour to be there and you're playing a a fantastic golf course. And so by the time you're off on the first tee, you're you're excited to be doing it again. And so it never really got boring or or tiresome for me to to go around and see the new places, the new the new golf course every day even on a course that you're not that excited for you're meeting somebody that's really excited to show you their course. Yeah. And so that gets you excited once again. Yeah. People are very proud of their, their golf clubs and they want to, that was one of the things that was nice about it is that the generosity of the people is that I budgeted a significant amount of money for uh, greens fees. And uh, you know, most people were like, don't, don't worry about paying me. And then they would donate to the first tee as well. And so they would have me out for a round and um, give to a good cause. And so the people of the tour were, were unbelievably generous and uh, subsidizing, you know, exp- an expense that I would have otherwise incurred. And, and hopefully I was able to give them a, a good memory. And I know a lot of, I'll see a head cover because we had a bunch of swag that I'd, I'd give out for donations and I'll see a head cover here, or there. And, uh, remember back to a round I played with a, with an individual and they'll, they remember it fondly too. So, you know, to, a way to grow the game and to, to spread the, the, the word about there's so many cool things you can do in the game of golf versus just 
go play at your local local golf course really this all stemmed from photography so let's jump back there yeah because you go from posting on instagram to getting notoriety to getting hired for shoots did you go out and sell yourself or did people just start coming to you saying hey we'd like you to come out and shoot our golf course yeah yeah i mean so i could do more as a, you know as i look at my my business now i could do more uh, aggressive salesmanship but i've been fortunate enough that a lot of the opportunities come my way um, with people reaching out to me they see the photography that i'm i'm putting out there and what i've done for other golf courses and they'll come to say hey we'd love to have you out at our golf course um and so you know the direct messages are, are great you know people just reaching out through the social media platforms uh, and so as, as much as social media can be a, a bad thing, um, there's also some really amazing things that, that come from it. And so I try to tend to focus on, on those things. Um, and it's been a, it's been a pretty good ride in terms of incoming, you know, as a sales guy, you, you never get, you never get leads. You got to go find them on your own. So this has been a nice kind of break from that where, where people are coming to me looking mm-hmm. uh, to, to highlight their golf courses or their, travel experience that they they offer as a as a club or a destination and i've been able to to go to most of them now um throughout the united states as i say i've seen you with your dslr in tow i also know you like to use a drone yeah so do you have a preference in terms of not not necessarily in in the artistic quality of a picture but a picture that you've shot in the course of a round where that really brings up something of a memory, maybe of playing that exact hole versus setting up your perfect, you know, uh, 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 perfect hour of the day shot with a drone. That's just kind of a generic, beautiful picture. Right. Yeah. That's a good point because if I, if I'm going to shoot a golf course, I'll spend two or three days there and I'm not always, I don't always have my clubs in hand and I'm just capturing the magic of the, of the golf course during you know, sunrise or sunset. And so that's certainly, certainly beautiful, but sometimes you'll, and most times on the tour, cause you don't have time to do a full photo shoot at these courses when you're playing 36 and you're driving and you're planning and you're booking tea times and you're, you're podcasting, you're editing photos. It's a, it's a constant workflow. And so, I mean, the one that just popped into my head and there's a hundred of them um, was a shot I took over at Oak Hill and hit my drive over to the, into the trees. I forget the I think it was like the 14th hole or something there. Uh, but I hit it into the trees and it was a cloudy day. And as I came out, I hit my, I hit this uh, little three iron that rolled right up there, nice and tight. And I made a, made an easy birdie. Um, but the shot before I hit that, the sun had just came out and just hit the green just right. And it was one of those moments where I was able to capture and my camera right there. So I just snapped it. And uh, the image I have, I posted on Instagram a while back, but it was, uh, it, I mean, it was just kind of that moment that, in photography, you've got to, you got to be there and the moment lasts, you know, sometimes it's 30 seconds where that sun comes through and the lighting and all the conditions are just right for a really great photograph. And I don't want to be caught without my camera. So for, that's why I, that's why I carry it. Um, a lot of times you're um, not able to, to, to get exactly what you want when you're playing golf, but I found a pretty good mix of having my, my camera carrying along and, and to be able to preserve those specific memories of the the people I played with and, and what it looked like to hit that three iron over at Oak Hill. It was, it's always a, it, that's, that's why I carry it. I've been talking about golf and equipment for 
over 15 years. Nice. And as such, companies reach out to me with new products, new concepts, you name it. For a guy who loves to play and shares experiences, what was it like when companies started coming to you and saying, hey, will you try out our new products? It was like Christmas in July, you know, is what <laughs> it was. Um, I think, you know, everybody's, if you're a golfer, you, you know, and you pay attention to all the new equipment, which comes out pretty regularly. And so to have the opportunity to get some of the stuff for, for free and, and, and share it was, uh, was really awesome. I mean, there's so many cool brands out there. Um, I mean, even the big ones always have great stuff. Like Callaway was very helpful. Um, and my friend AJ over there, who's since moved on, but, um, he was, he believed in the idea and got me set up with, uh, with some Callaway clubs for the, the duration of the trip. And, you know, that was really cool. But a lot of the stuff that I love to do is there's so many of these new, smaller brands, guys that have a unique look at the game and have come up with a, a cool product, whether it be mm -hmm. a, a custom ball marker or head covers or golf bags. And they're not big companies, but they, they have a, kind of a cool take on it. And it's that, uh, so I, I work with a lot of those because they reach out to me and they're looking to get some exposure for their brand. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to kind of showcase those, those companies through my just carrying the stuff and other people, like, I don't know how many people have decided to maybe buy a shoe or get a golf bag because they saw me carrying it, which is, I'm, I love doing that stuff because there's a lot of great golf products out there and uh, you know, people have to find a way to, to see those and, and social media has done a good job of putting that in front of a lot of people that otherwise they wouldn't have known about these brands or the people that run these companies. We spoke with Matt Janella a few weeks yeah. ago and for many, he is living every golfer's dream. I guess the same could be said about you. Uh, but I know our listeners are wondering, do you think your golf's lucky guest or is this lifestyle a product of great planning, marketing, and sales? Really, is it just that you've been able to put together your love with great business, or did you just get lucky? Well, you know, I think any, and it's funny, that you, that's a good good point, because I, you can talk a lot about that, and it, it's always a mixture. I think any great leader or success story, or, I mean, you can you can talk about guys like Bill Gates and those guys will sit down and it was a measure of, of both, right. You know, hard work and having the right talent at the right time. And then you got to get a little lucky. I mean, I think everybody knows that you have to be meet the right person, make the right connection um, and then leverage whatever skills you might have to fit into that specific time in, in history, um, whether it be, you know, software and being where that whole thing, takes off for, for Bill and, and Microsoft, you know, if he's born at a different time, it might not have happened for him. And most of these great leaders will, will recognize that luck did play a part in it, but they were obviously hardworking, ready to, to snag that opportunity when it came along. Um, so it's a mixture of both. I feel very, very fortunate to do what I get to do. And for, you know, a long time, I was just a, another guy in a sales job that would spend his disposable income on a golf trip, like the majority of Americans. And so, uh, with Instagram coming along at just the right time for me, it was, uh, it was fortunate that I was able to capitalize on that with photography and, and, and gain whatever, uh, niche or notoriety that I, that I had. And so, I, don't, I certainly don't feel like I'm just, you know, I'm just some marketing genius that figured this whole thing out and I'm just leveraging it for my own personal gain. I feel blessed to have 
met the people that I have and made some friends. I mean, some really great friends. Um, and it's, you know, looking back, it's like that, that relationship started through a connection on Instagram. And then we played golf and that it's a strong bond when you play golf with somebody versus meeting them in a otherwise different capacity. Um, Cause you get four hours with somebody, you get to learn how they handle adversity, how they carry themselves on the golf course. And, and if they're fun, like you walk off a golf course after spending four hours with somebody and you'd be like, I don't want to hang out with that person again. Or maybe like, man, this guy's like my best new, my new best friend. And so that happened a lot. You, you know, fortunately it was uh, almost, I'd say probably like 80 to 90% of the time I was very excited about the people that joined that tour and, and it's one of those guys. And so uh, I remember meeting Matt for the first time at uh, the PGA show. And uh, I, I was kind of just, I had some Instagram followers, but I hadn't really done much with it at, at that point in time. And uh, he, I, you know, he's got the job that everybody wanted. And uh, I, I asked him, I was like, let me know when you're, when you're going to quit your job so I can have it. And I think everybody wants that. And um, he, he wisely said, I'm, I'm never quitting this gig. So um, I think most of the people that, are in position like Matt or myself realize how lucky we are um, and how much we love to do what we do. And so I don't think any of us take it, take it for granted. I will just say this because, you know, in, in what I know, you took the time to actually get better at photography. Yeah. You got some notoriety and you're like, yeah, I'm going to put in the work. I'm asking because, of course, that's a common question. But the reality is you worked a lot to get to being very skilled at what you do. And you just happen to have a nice personality that goes really well with it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the working to on, on the craft is is never ending and it changes. And uh, you know, I try to I try to have fun out there. I think that's kind of my personal brand, and most people will know that. Not maybe so much through the just the posts that I do, but it's the stories and uh, I get creative with it, and I have I have a lot of fun. And that the thing is, it wasn't always the case, and I realized that somewhere along my journey that the score isn't everything. It's actually not even that important um, unless you're playing for money or you're playing on a tour, uh, which most of us aren't. So go have, go have some fun with it. And I've been able to appreciate so many different aspects of the game, whether it's the people that I play with, the golf course that I get to visit, um, the experiences that I have. Um, so, if, you know, you shoot, one of the greatest skills is to figure out how to shoot 85 if you're a lower handicapper and uh, which would be bad golf for me um, and then have fun playing bad golf. How do you do that? I, I wouldn't have been able to figure that out as a, as a, as a, as a youngster or a back in early stages of my, my golf life. But now I, I can play bad and you know, nobody wants it a bad shot. So it certainly bothers you, but you know, shake it off. And, and there's so many other things around you uh, that should be enjoyable. And I've been, and I've, figured out how to find those and, and really enjoy enjoy the step the every step along the way from an outside perspective looking at the rgv tour and everything that you've done there and you would look at a matt janelle and say there's so much more i can do or you could look at a tom coin and what he did in, in scotland and ireland and say uh, that's what i want to do next i mean that there are so many other options that it's limitless with golf yeah and so it, what was great is a funny story is that um Tom had, I made a post on my sobriety birthday. I'm a re recovering alcoholic. And I made a post about that on Twitter. And uh, Tom is uh, a friend of Bill W as well. And 
Um, he saw that on me. He's like, you got to come out and, and play my club. And so Tom joined the RGV tour when it rolled through, through Philadelphia. And we're, we're two, two, uh, you know, of a kind. We were very similar, similar folks. Uh, we share that sort of obsessiveness that was once placed in alcohol is now placed in, uh, in golf and travel and, and experiences. And so, I mean, the sober community in golf was unbelievable when they, when I put that out there and I'd been sober for some time when I did. And, uh, I, I think once I announced that on Twitter, I mean, I must've played with hundreds of folks that, um, were part of the sober lifestyle and, and playing golf is kind of a, it, it, it's something to fill that void and to give them purpose and, and meaning. And, uh, Tom's been, become a, a good friend, uh, since then. And he's done some really cool stuff with his, uh, his books. That was part of his tour. He did something similar, not in an RV though, across America where he played with a lot of folks. And, uh, um, he's, he's such a, a, a good dude, been very supportive and obviously a great writer. So if you haven't put together, uh, you know, some, or read some of his books, um, you should run out now and, and grab one. And I'm actually in the process of writing my own little biography of this RGV tour and uh, writing a book is hard. I tell you, I went through <laughs> and I've got it down. It's written, it's written down, but then I go in and, and like Tom says, the, the real work is in the editing. Cause you go back in, you'd be like, well, this is good, but it could be better. And so I keep going through and going through and realizing that every time it's words could be changed, things could be elaborated on. Um, and uh, I feel like I've got a pretty good, pretty good start to it right now um, with the photography and the, uh, in the stories, the book will be fun because it'll be kind of a coffee table book that you pick up and be like, look at these great photos. And then I, I pepper in some stories there, some lists, golfers love lists. Um, so, you know, best food on the RGV tour, uh, you know, best part five, best part three, things like that, which are, which are fun. Um, and so I can't wait to finally get it all put together and out there for people to enjoy. And the whole idea was I'm just, I'm not necessarily writing the book to make a bunch of money. Um, but writing the book so I can, I can have it and I'm doing it for myself. Um, it's a kind of a biography of my entire golf life. So much more in depth than, uh, you know, we spoke about today, but it does get into the sobriety, some of the things that happen on the, on the tour and what I've learned from golf and what I learned on this tour, um, through seeing every, not every state, but 48 of the states, Hawaii and Alaska got left off. For obvious logistical reasons but um yeah that's the that's the rgv tour book coming soon here you're helping with the first tee here you're going out and celebrating golf by meeting people and traveling but you also are helping people capture golf as you put together seminars your gatherings of golf photographers for weekends of golf and photography Channing Benjamin and myself, um, and Channing was the, the brainchild of this thing called the golfography experience. And so what we noticed as golf photographers is that there's a lot of other people that are, are interested in the exact same thing we are. It's, um, it's a niche. Not everybody wants to take photos of golf courses. Some people just want to play, but there's a handful of, of folks out there that um, are, are wanting to do something similar and they, they see the, the beauty in these courses and they want to capture it like we do. And so it's called the, the golf biography experience and Channing and I have done, I think three of them now, uh, Channing Benjamin is a, is a Palm Springs guy and I, even he may be a better dude than he is a photographer. And that's saying something because he's a, uh, he's a great photographer. 
And so what these things are, they're um, summits or retreats and they're limited too. So it's not like there's this big outing and, you know, whatever we do this thing, um, but they're small, they're small gatherings at really great clubs that offer the opportunity to catch some, capture some amazing imagery of golf courses, usually stunning places. We've worked with the Dormy Network, places like Victoria National or Ballyhack was our most recent one. And we'll have a dozen guys out there and we have so much fun. I mean, even if you don't like photography and just want to come for the, the camaraderie or the, the golf party, so to speak, I mean, we'll, we'll play a couple rounds of golf. We'll get up sunrise, sun shoot. And then we do offer some photo instruction, everything from how to capture and settings on your, your equipment to what equipment will be good. Um, and then we go out and we try to apply that, that craft right there. Um, given whatever the golf course gives us on that on that day and so those things have been really cool our next one is coming up at indian wells i think it's in april um we're gonna we're gonna take the storm we got 36 holes out there and so we'll have another group of a dozen or so people that are interested in in getting a little better and, and sharing some some tips and tricks and um have ourselves another another golf party with a with a golfography experience all this time on the road now you've been on the road traveling in golf full time for a few years mm -hmm. do you have a favorite memory oh geez gosh there's so many good memories that's a tough question um gosh you know what i found myself kind of you know once you explore a lot of the u.s um the the international destinations become a little bit more memorable um and, and it's where a lot of the, the cool stuff, it's just different than, mm -hmm. you know, the U.S. all kind of has a somewhat similar feel to it. And then you go over to Ireland or, or Scotland and it's, a, it's you, you learn so much more about where the game came from. Um, but if my favorite memory traveling with golf, I mean, it'd be hard not to say that playing the old course at St. Andrews with Bill Murray wouldn't be at the top of that memory. Um, Cause that was such a cool thing. I went, I, um, the folks over at the, uh, the Dunhill Lynx championship, which is a, a celebrity tournament. Um, and it's played on the old course, it, um, three courses, uh, Kings Barnes and then, uh, Carnoustie and they rotate throughout the, the four days. And they had hired me to, to come out and cover it for social media and photography. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. And so to walk along with guys like, uh, like Rory and, and Rose and Justin Timberlake, uh, was, was fantastic. But then after the uh, after the uh, tournament wraps up, the media gets to play the old course on Monday. And guy over there who runs a tournament um, is a is a great guy. And uh, he was he was I was like, when are we playing tomorrow? And he's like, well, we're it's going to be me, you, and uh, and Bill. I think we're we're playing we're playing at nine a.m. I'm like Bill Bill Murray, and uh, he's like, yeah. And it's it but over there. They're just much more relaxed about like celebrities and kind of that culture is not as fanatic i guess you can say and a very very casual sort of and so i'm i'm freaking out you know i get to play golf with bill murray and we had a chance to have dinner with him uh the night before and you know we walked 18 holes on the old course and uh it was a it was a blast it's kind of surreal because a lot of people i know you know you, everybody talks your ideal foursome Bill Murray is in a lot of people's foursomes. And so to get that, um, you know, experience was, was quite a memory. I, I would say that's an understatement. <laughs> that's, that, that's one where it's like, okay, I'm not going to top this. So I'll just, now I, now I don't have to worry about looking for it. This is it. Favorite course that you've captured so far. 
Cypress Point is um, is stunningly beautiful in, in, in a number of different regards because it does not only have those holes that everybody sees, the 15 and 16, which, I mean, I laughed the first time I saw it because it's so perfect. It's so ridiculous. You got the, the birds and the, the foliage and the crashing waves, and then you get a play out directly over the ocean on 16 and right along it on 17, and 15 might be the most beautiful part three in existence. Um, but you know, the, the first hole you play over the road and then you get back into some of the pines and then it comes out into the dunes, uh, the dunescape there and kind of the middle part of the round, mm -hmm. I thought it was really good. I mean, those might've been my favorite holes of the bunch. And so that course to me is a great walk, great fun. Not, it's not too hard, which is, which I, I enjoy. You can score on it if you're hitting the ball good. Um, and you know, it's exciting cause it's got this elevated status at Cypress point. Um, and it's, it's difficult. You feel fortunate to get an invite to play there. And so the chance, the, I mean, one of those places as a kid that I was like, I'll never play that. You know, I just, that's how I thought growing up on Arlington park, little part three, it was $5 to play. Um, for, you know, fortunately the green, the guest game fees at Cypress point are only $50, but the experience is worth far more than that and uh that place is is stunning from the experience you have into the views um so to to get out there was uh that was a dream finally we always wrap up our talks here on the range by jumping into the wayback machine and looking at your life's golf bag so is there one club when you think of it that just immediately gives you warm sentimental feelings like this is my favorite golf club that I ever have hit. That I've ever hit. I mean, I, you know, right now I've got some pretty good love affairs going on, but specifically my putter is definitely the best putter that I've ever had. But I don't think people want to hear about the current stuff. You know, there's a bit of nostalgia going back. And I tell you, back in the day, I had this burner bubble tailor-made five wood that was just guaranteed 230 no matter where I was hitting it from, I hit it out of the rough or over here. And I don't, I don't think the, the bubble technology had a damn thing to do with it. It was the, it was the relationship like most golf clubs, right? It's, so it's not necessarily specifically the putter. It's not necessarily the technology. Obviously it's gotten better, but it's how you feel about that golf club that matters the most. And there's, it's, there's no question about it. If you, you sit over that, that five wood or that seven iron and you, you feel confident, you're going to put a good stroke on it and you're going to, you're going to play good golf with it because you, you believe in it. And so I think that's what, I mean, if you look at the equipment turnover and, and how TaylorMade or Callaway releases a new driver or something every six months, they've clued into that. It's not the fact that like this club is actually better. It's that if by getting a new club, you're going to feel like it's better. You're going to, you're going to feel like you have the confidence to do something with it and you're actually going to put better swings on the golf ball and hit it better. So you, you'll think that it's this brand new technology, but what it really is, is the confidence that, that you have in that club, that relationship makes all the difference. Um, and so that's why it's, you know, people have these, these feelings towards different clubs and it's, it's really important that you have a good relationship, you know, with your, with your putter or whatever, whatever's in the bag, you gotta, you gotta be in love with it. And if you're not, then like, you know, go find a, go find a new friend. No, it does. It, you know, what you say just describes the first time I interviewed Scotty Cameron and I asked him what the best putter he made was. And his answer was the putter you like the best. 
Yeah. That's the best putter in the world. It's funny. I remember playing, uh, I think I, I, I forget her name, but she was, it was in Louisiana and she was a 11 year old girl. And she, I think she shot 74 that day. She was really good at golf. And uh, we were playing the, playing the course. And about halfway through, I realized she's just got this old, like $10 Wilson beat up putter. It's like something you go and target and you, you just pull out a Wilson and, uh, but she's good enough to, obviously people are interested in her and that she's getting pitched all the different options out there for the putter. She's like, she's like, I just like this Wilson putter. She's like, I don't know. I make a lot more putts with this thing than I do any of those Scotty Cameron ones. And just like the innocence and the, uh, the realization that she just liked that putter the best it was so pure. And it was, uh, it was a fun round of golf to watch her play with that thing and, and make a lot of putts. That's what the game is all about. Patrick, we can talk all day, and I hope we do soon enough out on the course. But for now, I'll just say thanks for joining us here on The Range. Hey, thanks for having me on The Range. Real pleasure. That was Patrick Koenig, the renowned golf photographer and traveler, joining us here on The Range. Do you think he loves golf? Yeah. He turned his life upside down to pursue it, and now he's made a career from the game that we all love. I think that's awesome. Before we go, the PGA Tour kicks off this week in Maui at Kapalua for the Century Tournament of Champions. Due to the unusual nature of 2020, the field of tournament winners was a bit thin, so the organizers expanded the field to include the top 30 players from the previous season. And the field will be a record 42 players, which is fantastic. Primetime golf from my favorite place on earth is a great way to start the year, and I cannot wait. Be sure to tune in and enjoy. In this event, the setting is as big a star as the play itself. If you want to know more about golf equipment, subscribe to us on YouTube at The Golf Spotlight. With the new year, we already have a ton of new product releases, and we will focus on as many as we can. Follow us on Instagram at The Golf Spotlight. We're also on Twitter at Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments in any of those locations anytime we always reply. You've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, you'll find The Range. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That'll do it for this episode of The Range, so let's hit the road, walk the course, and capture some memories. You never know where it all may lead. And we'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.